1: George Brockler back with you halfway through the 22 January show. It is the much celebrated on the left anniversary of Roe versus Wade. I don't know what that says about us as a people, but there it is. Uh, the bigger, more political news out there. Ron DeSantis out. It is now a race of two for the Republican nomination. And Nikki Haley seems so, so remote in terms of uh, the the race, like way, way back there in Donald Trump's rear view mirror. In fact, if you listen to some, they have that little sticker on the bottom of the mirror that says objects in mirror appear closer than they really are. That I think that's sort of what's going on here. Uh, if you're a never-Trumper or you're someone who is just looking for an alternative, and I don't think that's the same group, um, you're thinking, can Nikki Haley pull this off in New Hampshire? In some polls, she's down double digits, 14, 18 I've seen. I've also seen her as close as four. So we'll we'll have to see how it turns out. But there's a uh, memo. I don't know if it was leaked or it was put out by um, the Koch network. Koch, of course, the big funders for Americans for Prosperity and so many other things that have done tons of grassroots work. I imagine, too, as as much as the Koch brothers were heralded for all the things that they did for a conservative movement and they supported a bunch of Republican stuff. Now, just because of Trump, just because of Trump, they are now viewed as some sort of establishment hacks or something like that. Um, It's very, very interesting to see how this party has simply become all Trump all the time to the exclusion of other conservatives because they can't be conservatives. You can't call them conservatives anymore. But there's a memo that came out, Billy turned me on to, That says that um, AFP action is supporting Nikki Haley. I'm reading this to you because she offers the best chance to move beyond the current political era. There's no question Nikki Haley wins in a head to head contest with Joe Biden. That's true. I've seen like 12 to 17 points. She beats up on Biden. And that brings me to the other question, do we just do we just want a chance at winning or do we want to win? Does it make a difference? I don't know. She consistently outperforms Donald Trump by wide margins. Nikki Haley is by far the strongest candidate to win in November. We've been clear from the beginning that we disagree with former President Trump's plan for the country. And there's a bunch of other things here. And then finally, in all bold, it says... His current economic plan, this is not in bold, leads with a promise to raise taxes by 10% on all Americans. And then in bold, the reality is Trump has lost the last three elections and he's on track to lose this one too. Despite what some media outlets report, our polling consistently shows Donald Trump loses to Joe Biden in the states that will decide the election in November. And if he's convicted in one of his many criminal trials, polling indicates his loss will be even more Severe three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one. What happened to Ron DeSantis, and does it make a difference anymore? I mean, is this just a foregone conclusion? Should Nikki bow out too? Let's go to Jim. Jim, you're on seven ten. Can you, Jim? What do you think?
2: Hey, good morning. It's it's amazing how quickly uh Trump has uh, steamrolled the entire uh Republican uh, uh table so far. Nikki Haley is going to be gone in a matter of uh, in a matter of. Uh, weeks at the most well not that's days. interesting
1: jim talk about that you think she stays on through south carolina which is weeks away or do you think she's gone before then
2: I, i'm not sure but it's, it's coming up quick i think she'll probably be gone by Super tuesday at the latest
1: uh, well that's pretty much the game right there and she has to hope that she ends up with some split well, or some well, delegates that make her viable
2: well, it's, it's game over already. I mean, he's already gotten everybody to quit in uh, record time. He, he, he cleaned the table faster than he did uh, in uh, 2016. And, and it's to be expected um, because the Republican Party is no more. The regular Republican Party is no more. And if the subject is immigration, Trump will uh, clean the slate. Now, I don't know if he can beat the dead guy. Um, or if the dead guy's going to beat him, but people are going to vote against. People now vote against someone. They don't vote for someone. They only vote against the opposing party.
1: What do you think of this Coke memo that talks about not only Nikki Haley soundly beating Biden in any of the polls that are out there, but the fact that she still stands a chance of trying to win this thing? Do you buy any of that?
2: Well, the subject being uh, immigration, the coats want um, cheaper um, inputs, which is basically the only input they can control anymore is uh, labor. And here we go again. But I, I, I consider you a intelligent person, especially when it comes with uh, uh, legal matters. But uh, I, I've been listening for years, and I've always been told that the regular Republican Party, the Republican Party, the Reagans, the Bushes, were strong on immigration, so I thought I was losing my mind and I was just an idiot because I, I don't recollect it that way from the 80s. So what I did is this weekend, as I went back and I listened to the uh, 1980 uh, Republican uh, debate between uh, Reagan and uh, Herbert Bush, and I was I found out exactly what they thought. Reagan actually said that uh, we don't even need to be discussing a border fence anymore because Those people need to be up here making wages and paying taxes, and they can go back when they want to. And Bush wanted those people up here, and they wanted them in our schools as well. That was the debate. And anybody can go ahead and YouTube this and look it up. And I don't think it's uh, liberal fake news. And that's exactly the way I remember things. NAFTA came out of the debates of the early 80s and ross perot in 92 uh finally brought it up during the republican debates and said you're going to destroy america steve forbes he's another financially minded guy he literally said you're going to have to unionize the retail worker because that's all this country will have left and if you Jim, notice the most Jim, wasn't, people, wasn't
1: ron good on those issues though wasn't desantis good
2: on those issues yeah if you're going to shoot people when they come across the border but you got to understand these southern what? states have. That's he said you're going to shoot them, right? He said you're going to put the military out there and you're going to shoot them. That's that's what he said.
3: That might have been four said?
2: months ago. <clears throat> yeah, he, he, he said that like four months ago. There was a little bit of a debate about uh, what wow. he said. So, you know, he's going to use the military to well he's use the military to close the border down. But you got to understand these states down here on the southern edge. They have benefited more from the illegal aliens and the NAFTA zones in liquidating the American worker. And now Donald Trump has got the American worker. The rabid, rabid, rabid people are the American workers that are supporting Donald Trump. That's how I see it. Now, maybe I'm wrong, just like, uh, you know, I I, I thought I was wrong about the uh, immigration issue with the Republicans. But I, I suggest everybody go and watch the 1980 debate between Reagan and Bush they're both regular Repo- well they're both Republicans and they both wanted to get rid of or they wanted to subsidize the American businesses with illegal labor and then you could make them uh, Americans and in fact between Reagan and Bush in a 12-year time frame they actually instituted 12 I'm sorry sorry six amnesties over 12 years. And of course, then uh, what's Jim, name? I know this uh, is a
1: big issue, and I do think the border and immigration crisis probably drives this campaign. But does this mean Trump wins because he's so much stronger on the border, at least in terms of rhetoric, than Biden? Does this mean he wins?
2: Trump has liquidated the Republican Party. Now, I think Trump also um, motivates more people in this nation to vote than ever before, and I think I've said it before. But the Republican Party has relied on low voter turnout to win elections, just like they win more local elections. I mean, local elections vote at 17 or 20 percent. They rarely breach 30 percent. So when you have someone motivating the electorate to come out and vote like Trump did, then you could have Trump beaten by a dead guy who stayed in his basement and didn't even campaign. I I think uh we might see Trump beaten by a dead guy twice.
1: <laughs> I hope that Jim, I hope that's not right. But thanks as always, Jim. Good call. Three oh three six nine six nineteen seventy one. Jim's line is open. Um I I I wonder if this immigration issue isn't the dominant issue of the campaign moving forward and does that mean Trump wins? I'm scared that Jim's right. And I'm scared that Coke is right that in all the polling that matters, Trump is lagging behind Biden, although Biden has a bit of a Michigan problem. Um, I saw that stuff there, that um, he, he is trailing him in the other states that will be decisive for president. We keep looking at the national polling as if it matters, doesn't matter, at least not yet, not until we uh, the entire country goes the way of Colorado and decides to throw their votes to the coastal states. But that's just not the way it is right now. 303-696-1971 is, uh, is the phone number. Um, let's see. We've got, uh, Billy, does that say Frank on the line? Frank, you're on 710 us? What do you think, Frank?
3: Hey, I'm in very much agreement with, I think, you and I think the last caller. I think this is trouble because I don't believe that uh, Trump can beat. Uh, well, I think it's going to be tough for trump to beat biden again but i'm not even sure biden's going to be the nominee and if they trot somebody else really, out there still who isn't a mummy gonna, like who who could I, they absolutely. bring
1: in at this late date
3: I, I think it's i think i don't know i think michelle obama could do some sort of a convention switcheroo or something but i i'm concerned i really am concerned that i think either biden or trump or both could have health issues that keep him from being the nominee and, and i think that's look Trump lost to what amounts to an empty suit the last time, and that was Biden. He hasn't gotten better. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't – neither of them – they've both degenerated since the last election. I mean, in, in terms of health, rhetoric, everything, gaffes, you name it. Neither has gotten as improved with age. And I think that there's a good chance that the, the, the average – I think the average voter not – cult member, I think, sees this as like, you know, Trump energizes the opposition as much as he energizes the cult. The trouble is the opposition has more numbers than the cult, and that's it.
1: Do do you think Haley has a chance here? I mean, she outpolls him against Biden just about every poll I've ever
3: seen. Oh, yeah, and it's not small. It's huge. I mean, it's at least five points, I think, on every single poll. I think she has a chance uh, if, if there's, I think this sounds this sounds morbid, but I don't think you can guarantee um, health uh, doesn't keep Trump or Biden from from not being the nominee. And I, at which point Haley's there. I mean, I, there isn't anybody else. Um, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I think. The, I think, t- I keep thinking t- back. T- tell to me the, the vehicle
1: state. that again. And, and I wanted. I want to sound this out because I've heard this from other yeah. smart folks too, but what's the vehicle by which they replace Biden? Does he simply announce here within the next, because he has to do it before he starts grabbing up votes from like South Carolina and beyond, right? Like there's gotta yeah. be this moment at which he either announces, Hey, you know what folks I'm stepping back. I've had some medical news or something like that. Do you know what I mean? There has to be that thing. Cause nobody's just going to replace him without his consent. And it seems really late in the game. to Do that.
3: It is. It is late. I, I think it could be some sort of a brokered or open convention, if there is i think even without a health issue i mean look let, let, it's kind of like let's face it here i mean when we're talking health issue at this point we're talking like uh, the other frank said like a massive coronary or something but let's be honest biden has a health issue he clearly is lost a lot of capacity and i'm not sure he had that much to begin with and so he has a health issue it exists now it'll exist in the convention but brokered convention may
1: be, the, you know what, Frank, that, that may be it, man. Brokered convention may be the only vehicle to do this, but uh, I don't know. I I'm keep hearing saying. the Michelle Obama thing. Why would she want to do that? What does she get out of I, this? You like, know, I,
3: if I was her, I wouldn't want it. I'd say to heck with it. Ooh, that seems ridiculous that you. would I mean, I guess it would be almost like a, as a favor or an obligation to the party or something like that. I guess if she had, if she felt like a, that she owed it or something. I don't know. Otherwise I would say, no, I mean, who would want it? And I don't, there isn't anybody else there for the Democrats. I mean, Gavin Newsom, God, I think he would be, he would actually draw attention away. I mean, I I don't think that (laughs) I can't even imagine a a race, (laughs) Trump versus Newsom. God, I mean, what, what have we done to deserve that?
1: I don't I mean, know, I, I mean, yeah. but, but I think people are asking that about the Trump versus Biden thing. I just think that that this party is so inextricably captured by this cult of personalities. And, Frank, it won't go away until he does. But when it goes away, it's over. And I say that sincerely because no matter how oh, many yeah. Vivek Ramashwamis are out there, no matter how many people have drank the Trump Kool-Aid, when that guy goes, all of it goes with him. Because there is no other person that can do what Donald Trump has done. There's no other person who could have lived the life that Trump has done, made the mistakes that he's made, lived with the impunity he's lived with. There is no other person that you and I can name that is like that. And it ain't Ramaswamy. If Ramaswamy had been accused of felonies, he would be done, right? Like this guy is so unique. So this party, we're just captured in the Donald Trump orbit until he doesn't have any gravity anymore, and then it goes to something else. I just don't know what will be left.
3: I, you know, it does, it does worry me. I can see, think about the last, when you say mistake, I, I think back about that debate with, with Biden and Trump, and that was where Trump basically lost the election. And, and all you need is something like that. I, I just, I get concerned because I think the cult does not understand what the electorate actually looks like. And it doesn't look like the cult. You begin to you begin to think everything is everybody thinks the way you do. And that isn't how it looks. And that isn't how it works. And all you need is one more debate where Trump acts like a house ape against the mummy and you can lose the election again. And, 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 you know, then you're going to wish the heck you had Nikki Haley in there. You know, well, the, this thought... is
1: where if if, if he's going to win, it'll be I really believe this. If he's going to pull this out, it'll be because, one, the risk associated with putting Biden back in the office. And I think that people will maybe for the first time ever, more than they ever did with Dan Quayle, look at Kamala Harris and say, I can't do it. There's just no way I could put the country in the hands of kamala harris but the other part will be the border because they know with four more years of biden it's over man i mean we we might as well just erase the line and and let them all in because that's the approach they seem to be taking
3: i'll tell you that's kind of the way i view it i mean that's the way i view it right now i don't know what it'll look like in november but yeah i agree with you is that it's an election in the negative because of the border and kamala harris do think, I, I don't even know how they
2: keep Camilla Harris in that
1: position. Do, do you oh. think that the conviction aspect of it out there, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to get to trial and convict him. Or not. Do you think if that happens, that changes the votes enough to make a difference?
3: Oh boy, that's a good question. I kind of think not. I think because there is a there is a sense that people are just, ganging up on trump he becomes more of a victim every time one of these things happens and that just magnifies his victimhood but that might only work among the cult i don't know if that works among the general electorate because there there are many people myself included who were like how in the heck can you pull a lever for somebody who's a convicted felon no that's the question that's the
1: question i worry about for some Republicans, and that even for me, I mean, like, what do you do when you have spent a career in the criminal justice system, and somebody figures out a way to get themselves convicted? And I don't see, and you know this, Frank, we've talked about this. I don't see all the prosecutions yeah. going on against Trump as the same, and I don't think the no, number of not. charges is relevant. But that one out of Mar-a-Lago, man, that that's the one that just that's... haunts me because it's like,
3: dude, dude they got that you, is a man. Self- they got proving you. Case. <laughs> That is a self-proving case. I mean, there's I there's no there's virtually no that's there's no defense to it. It's and and what I would once again re-emphasize is that there isn't anybody to blame except Trump. I mean, he there, nobody was. It's not like wow well, they were out to get you and they just dug something up. No, he just thumbed his nose at everything and 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 acted like he was above the law, which is how he acted. And then they got. Prosecution. That's it. I mean, how else do you describe that? Does the cult understand that? Is it there's absolutely nobody to blame but him? I mean, I, I don't get that. It's like you just, it's like you just, you know, got super drunk, sitting right by a cop at a bar, yeah. poured yourself into the car, and drove off. I mean, that's what Trump basically did. I mean. There was, You know,
1: Frank, I Frank, I appreciate it, man. We took you along. I love the conversation. Frank is always good call. Frank's line is open 303-696-1971. Alexis says, George, I agree with the caller. Frank, look at everything, quote, Republicans like Paul Ryan and John McCain did to undercut Trump. It was all about their egos and shenanigans. Republicans like Ryan and McCain really gave the Republican voters a big middle finger. That's exactly how I felt when McCain voted against repealing Obamacare. That was awful. I mean that was devastating to be one vote away from it. Although I'd ask this question, what were we going to do if we had won that thing? McCain may have thought he was telling Trump screw you, but he was really telling Republican voters me screwing over Trump is more important than the promises Republican politicians made to the voters. I do think there's some of that. There's a, there's a real rift within the party between this perception of uh you know conservatives and Rhinos establishment whatever language that you want to use and I've asked the question before and we never ever get a Good solid answer and that is what distinguishes a rhino? From someone who just is opposed to Trump all other policy things being the same And uh, there's never been a good answer for that. Maybe we'll get that during this election cycle another text Okay, Trump instituted the stay in Mexico. Isn't that a form of Mexico paying? artists listen one I like the stay in Mexico policy, and you're right to bring that up, and it's one that I wish we had right now. That part is true. But this origamied effort to try to make Trump's promise to get Mexico to pay as anything that they ended up having to do, that's the equivalent. I don't buy it and I don't believe it. And so, you know, when he says, I promise I'm gonna build the wall, and he doesn't The excuses are, well, he sure did build a lot of it, and it's 47 miles of new wall, but he did correct and fix a bunch of others, but he didn't get it built. And then the other answer is, well, it's not his fault. It's everybody else in in the Congress. It's their fault. And, yeah, Mexico didn't pay, but didn't they kind of sort of pay? Why do we have to torture away? Why are we so defensive of this guy? that we have to torture a way for him to have lived up to his promises when clearly he didn't. And nobody talks about the fact that he wants to raise taxes on Americans. Nobody talks about the fact that he's tariff happy. None of these things are conservative principles or platforms, but it won't matter tomorrow. Tomorrow in New Hampshire, Nikki Haley may come within striking distance of President Trump, but I don't think she wins. And even if she wins, I don't think it makes any difference because she's going to lose in her home state of South Carolina. I mean, my, my God, everybody who's an elected official in South Carolina, including her lieutenant governor, has endorsed Trump. I mean, maybe she lives on and limps along until Super Tuesday, but... I just don't see it. I don't see it. And when the Koch brothers come out and say, hey, look, here are these polls that show Nikki Haley beats Biden by more. I don't think the MAGA folks care. They don't care. They believe so deeply that Trump is going to win no matter what. And and even the risk of losing, they'd rather have that than have a a Nikki Haley or someone like Nikki Haley or Mitt Romney or whatever become president. It's just so short sighted. It's the. uh, It's the I'd rather lose and be right than win and be in power. And and that is just that's great on some levels, but not when it comes to policymaking and governing a country. Man, we can't withstand another four years of this current current administration. And I worry that's what we're headed towards. 303-696-1971 is the number. Let me quickly before we cut away for a break and then we'll get to the calls on the line. We'll get to the texts that are coming in. And if you're texting and calling as well, Ron DeSantis out. What happened? Why did he fail? Would you support this guy in 2028 now that he's bent the knee and he's thrown his support behind Trump? And what's left? How long does Nikki Haley stay in this race? Does she have what it takes to continue to be a viable alternative to President Trump? Let me tell you about Dan Kaplan, super lawyer. He and Bobber Wahid, who I've known for many, many years. I tried Bobber's very first civil jury case. Interestingly, It wasn't as a plaintiff's attorney, which is the great work that Dan and Bobber do on behalf of victims every single day out there. Instead, Bobber and I got assigned by Dan to represent a former client for free, for gratis. They call that pro bono to defend a scurrilous lawsuit filed by this disreputable Um, four-by-four fix-it-up shop that had defrauded her, the client, and then she had the gall to go to the Better Business Bureau and complain, got sued for a million dollars for defamation. Now, as a testament to the guy that you'd be hiring to represent you if you've been victimized by someone else's negligence, recklessness, or intentional conduct, the, the, the takeaways from that story ought to be this. Dan ain't in it for the money for himself. Didn't charge the client a penny. And two, man, if he thinks you've been wronged, it doesn't matter if it's playing up for defense work. He just gins up the team and says, go get him. And we did. And we beat down the other side. It was, was, I think, Judge Wheeler's very first trial as a judge. He has long since retired. But that's how long they've been at this thing. I think Bobber's now a 17-year, 16-year attorney. Uh, They go out there and ring the bell every day for victims. And if you are one. Pick up the phone and call 303-770-5551, 303-770-5551, or check out dancaplislaw.com, Law.com. Dan Kaplis, when we come back, Dave Magoya, super lawyer, or super lawyer, <laughs> super investigative reporter, holding lawyers accountable, by the way, in the Gazette, he's going to talk about the latest turn of events when it comes to Colorado judicial discipline. George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brocker back with you here, 710 KNUS. Pleased to have on the B- VIP line. His name is David Magoya. He is the super investigative reporter for the Denver Gazette. And long before he joined the Gazette, he had sort of found his way into, um, I guess, uh, an analysis and investigation of what goes on in one of the big branches of state government here, and that's the judicial branch, a branch that had before Dave Magoya largely escaped scrutiny. I imagine Dave really walks around on eggshells everywhere he goes outside of his home, largely because if he's ever drugged before a judge, it will be curtains. Dave, thanks for joining us.
4: <laughs> Good morning, George. I don't walk on eggshells too much.
1: <laughs> I uh, I just think that you have started pulling back the onion, and it is uh, every time there's something else, I'm like, what is going on in the judicial branch? Every And I like these people. I mean I know I know at least 3 of them pretty well and I like them. I just what is going on with the rest of the branch here? You've got another breaking story here of something that took place uh that was reported on. I think it got released there right at the end of the week on the 19th. Tell us about what's going on with the Colorado Judicial Branch.
4: Well, yeah, you're you're not kidding. These guys are a never-ending stream of of stories, you know. I'm writing about them now for like 4 years four almost 5 years, I guess. Um But in this case, we there's a a, a commission, a group that's called the Colorado Commission on Judicial Discipline. Their job is to, much like their title, discipline judges uh, if, you know, there's misconduct or whatnot. So that's all they handle is is judges. And on Friday. So they've been sort of in the thick of this whole battle between the Supreme Court and judicial discipline and how that works and then. You know, we had our chief judge uh, sanctioned uh, last year, first time in Colorado history, a, a Supreme Court justice is disciplined. So on Friday, um, it got. I learned that the executive director uh, of the Judicial Discipline Commission was put on leave. I don't want to say he got fired because they haven't really figured that out yet, but it was sort of his head was kind of on the block for a little bit and there was a lot of speculation as to whether or not with a new newly formed commission, new members of the commission, whether Christopher Gregory, the executive director, would uh, remain in the job. And for a short period, it looked like Chris was fine. And then on Friday, uh, I I caught wind of of him being put on leave, uh, administrative leave. And that could mean a lot of things. But the speculation, as it goes from a lot of folks in the know, is that he's pretty well done. He's out of there. And and that could mean a, a whole new direction for this discipline, which or discipline commission, which could be a good thing or a not so good thing.
1: I How guess. long had he
4: been the executive director? Two and a half years I'm remembering here, Chris, Chris had been the chairman of of the commission. He was a gubernatorial appointees, an attorney from up in Fort Collins direction. And he was chairing that committee, uh, the, the commission when, and it's a 10 member commission. So the, the members are appointed by the Supreme Court, typically the chief justice and the governor. And he was in that position when his, his four-year appointment term ended and he was looking at reappointment. So that would have been in 2020 no 21 and that yeah, was when i broke this yeah when i broke the stories about this memo that everybody talks about now and he got a little out front on that on the story um announced that they were investigating uh the allegations of those stories and then when it was his time for appointment which seems a slam dunk i mean here you're chairing the committee And you're up for reappointment and the governor decided to go some other direction, which was really, that was unprecedented. So at that point, then Chris was just an attorney again, but he put in for the executive director's job. The fellow who had had it previously had been there a long, long time and uh, chose to retire. Um, And then Chris got hired by the commission. So, so getting his back. To work with the commission as executive director was separate and apart from the appointments because the, the board that he was chairing um, all knew him, and they get to do that selection apart from the governor and chief justice and their appointments. So Chris who, who, who took that job on in 21. Who has the authority to do this, David?
1: Who has the authority to
4: remove the, the, him as executive? The commission. The commission okay. itself has the sole authority to remove him from his position.
1: Now And that the makeup didn't... of that commission changed. Okay, tell us who the commission is now.
4: Oh boy! <laughs> Without a, a cheat sheet in front of me, I'm, I'm oh, I don't need the names. Here, but,
2: but just tell me how, but it, they how were, it
4: changed. Well, they were um, last year, last summer. A number of members were up for reappointment. Uh, the uh, chairperson, Liz Krupa, who's a known attorney in town, oh, yeah. uh, very, um, very strong-voiced in the issue of discipline. And the co-chair was a district judge down in El Paso, David Prince. They were facing reappointment and were not. Prince especially, there was feelings that he would be reappointed, and they were both outspoken voices during this whole process in front of the legislature and the hearings and, uh, and you know the whole storm that happened, controversy over judicial discipline. So when their reappointments came up, they were not reappointed, uh, and a couple of others had left the commission. So I think in all four or five, roughly half of the commission. Now, I've heard there was another one that just resigned for personal reasons uh, over the last couple of months. I don't know precisely which one it was. Uh, but So now you've got this new commission face coming in, uh, several of them with strong ties to either the administration or to the Supreme Court, because um, they're also judicial appointees or judges who sit on the commission. Uh, one of them, I, I don't recollect her name, but I did uh, print it, uh, was pretty vocal in uh, dressing down the commission and how it worked and how it did its job, and she was named uh, onto the commission. So there was a lot of speculation that this change in direction was now going to impact Chris Gregory, who was really carrying the flag. Uh, for judicial discipline. Now, there's been a lot of things that have changed and some laws have passed and voters are facing a referendum in uh, this November that'll change the whole process of how judges get discipline in our state. So with that ahead of them, there's been a lot of speculation that there's gonna be this movement in the background to kind of tamp that uh, amendment down, the effort to pass that thing and let's keep the judicial discipline process the way it is. Um, I I don't know the truth of that or not, but you always hear those kinds of rumors. And in Chris's case, it just
1: was, yeah, that was it. It was done. I was going to say too, you don't really make much of a linkage here, if, if any, in this particular article, but one week before this, you also wrote an article about some stuff going on with judicial discipline that has quotes from Chris Gregory. Tell us about that. We haven't had you on to talk about that one either.
4: Oh, yeah. The, uh, Chris had appeared. Oh, yeah. ah, I forgot about that. <laughs> they all started running together, George. <laughs> yeah. um, Chris had appeared. The legislature, every year when they first get going in January, have something that's called the SMART hearings S M A R T. Stands for something. I'm not going to try to figure out what it is, but that's what they call it. And essentially, it's an opportunity for the various committees within the legislature, in this case, the Judiciary Committee, to hear from the various branches and portions and parts. Of the department that the, as a committee, um, are tasked with keeping an eye on. And for the first, for the second time in the history, um, the Judicial Discipline Commission appeared before uh, that committee, and that was earlier this month. And Chris, uh, a bit unprecedented, let it be known that they were investi- actively investigating 73 judges for violating allegedly violating the law that requires judges to file financial disclosures uh, to the secretary of state so essentially well people can know if a judge has a conflict of interest on a case and so on and so forth and those investigations I, i believe were the result of the work i did last summer that took a look at all of our 300 sitting judges and basically i found that one of every six judges sitting at the time had not filed these disclosures, some of them for many years. And then when you threw in the compliment of all the senior judges, which is roughly two dozen of them, uh, the numbers got even bigger. Uh, So the commission now is investigating all of this. there, There was some concern that the investigations would sort of clog things up in that the rules basically say any form of discipline on your record as a judge precludes you, prohibits you from... Participating in the senior judge program, which is essentially a way of doing extrajudicial work for you know some money in a short period of time. time, of time. So what so, they wanted was a change, uh, a, a change to the law that said, well, you know, maybe a complete discipline record um, record would would not preclude that because they wanted to get these cases through because otherwise the judges are all saying, oh, whoa, hold on, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to go through a settlement, you
1: know. What's the possible outcome of this then? Like, what's the worst case scenario for these judges? And you broke that story, by the way, that one in six Colorado judges hadn't filed their disclosures, and some of them ever— (laughs) <laughs> and apparently, yeah. and I remember this yeah. day when we were talking, the secretary of state's response is, well, we don't actually notify anybody. Yes, we catalog them and track them, but we don't yeah. tell anybody. They have to ask for them, which sounded like garbage. Uh, n- nonetheless, what's the worst case scenario for these judges? What does judicial discipline look like under this current and dying off model?
4: Hey, You know, that's a great question, because if, if Chris is I mean, it's, I, I suppose it's theoretically possible. Chris Gregory can still get his job back because uh, he's only on admin leave. Um, I did poke around a little bit to try to find out whether we were talking about some really nefarious type conduct. You know, you, you, you yeah, yeah, can yeah. hold somebody up as a poster child, but you want to be sure there's not like, oh, my gosh. That's it's like not a like shocking... he rubbed his
1: bare chest on somebody or something like that.
4: <laughs> no, that, Is that was that... <laughs> a different judge. <laughs> that guy keeps coming up more times than, than I'd like to admit. So in in Chris's case, I heard it was it it, it was more sort of likely to be kind of a rules infringement. You know, he pissed somebody off inside and they just said, you know what, you're a little too exuberant and we don't want that type of exuberance. But again, again, all speculation. uh, And it could be simply retaliatory, like a couple of people in my article, a former chief judge down in Pueblo thinks it's completely retaliatory. Um, so, it, you know, I guess the, we enforcement gotta wait of the
2: law
1: is retaliatory or what happened to Chris Gregory was retaliatory. What
4: happened? What happened to Chris Gregory is retaliatory. That's all, I, I was going to um, ask that.
1: How, how much yeah. of that? Through, I mean, you've got a billion people that are in your ear on this stuff. Is yeah. that the consensus that this was in part a response to him taking the next logical step to this failure to file?
4: I'm hearing it on both sides. And, you know, when you when you're getting that much static from either side of the middle, Uh, You sort of got to take it with the grain of salt intended and not give too much credence to either one. Let it out there. Let people have their voice. I mean, uh, it was the the chief judge down in Pueblo, Dennis Mays, uh, who spoke rather strongly on it being a retaliatory move. And, you know, this isn't some schlep walking down the mall. This is a uh, well-respected jurist. So putting his opinion out there was important. Which one is the right one, George? I don't know. Uh, You know, this story has done everything um, except not surprise me. I am am constantly um, not surprised by what these guys are, are up to. It just seems to keep rolling and rolling and rolling. What happens in the future? I, You know, worst case scenario, if it was retaliatory, we see sort of a tamping back of the disciplinary process it's not quite as aggressive as it's been in the past year and a half as it has been um, quite a lot of of judges that they've been um, looking into and and getting complaints about so you know if if that slows down then we've got this amendment coming up to change the process you know maybe there's an effort in the background to say we don't really you know we're, we're making much ado about nothing don't need to change anything so no no point in passing this. Everything's fine. It's going to cost us a lot of money to change things. So you know how sort of the political waves can go. Um, if it's nothing and Chris gets his job back, then I suppose it's, you know, status quo and off they go. You know, maybe Chris isn't quite as, uh, you know, stand in front of the legislature and say we're investigating 73 judges. I, I was really surprised that that came out publicly. I didn't expect to to hear that, I was wondering if it would be sort of buried in a report somewhere that I'd have to go find it. But uh, no, it was right out there for everybody. So it, it really, when I was contacting around on Friday to the number of people that are not quoted in my story uh, to get their reaction, all I kept getting was, good God, oh, my God, you can't believe it. Holy cow. Um, I spoke with Pete Lee because um, a lot of folks say that or have said that this is just another body in the road in this crazy story about judicial discipline that's been going on like i said since 2019 and you know pete lee was one of those bodies pete was chairing that commission the special commission that was taking testimony over the summer two
1: summers dave, dave before we cut away from uh, before we cut away from this i wanted to to ask you this other question you put in the the article here you remind us it's a misdemeanor to knowingly fail to file these things. Have you had the opportunity to hear from the attorney general's office or the district attorney's office in Denver about whether or not they intend to investigate and pursue prosecution of these crimes?
4: I have not. I have not. and it's It's been a, a very heavy silence from everyone because, you know, it's knowingly not file, well, I guess, to, or willingly not file. That's a that's a very strong word, written by lawyers, to, to to you know to describe what the conduct should be in order for it to be a crime. But you know, judges with misdemeanors, you know, who's going to prosecute? There's no prosecutorial mechanism in there. So who's
1: supposed to do it?
0: Yeah, I, would I think it's the attorney general. The A.G.'s, office, general, is suppo- the AG's but, office is supposed to investigate
1: um, this. I just I wish they had the same zeal towards enforcing the law against the people they like versus the ones that they don't they and this is me talking dave not you they seem super aggressive when it comes to taking on police departments and police officers for various things but when it comes to judges it's a mums the word uh you know look the other direction kind of a thing it's um, it's unfortunate but it's obvious too and I, i just don't know other than guys like you out there doing the investigative reporting how we'd even know to ask these questions
4: I, You know, you had said it earlier when I first came on here, George, that, you know, sort of meandering around in the wilderness, and I bumped into this thing. And and that's really how it all happened, you know, and just sort of kept pulling on the thread and unraveling our judicial system. I don't know the last time it's faced this degree of scrutiny. Ever, um, ever. You know, yeah. and, you know, I suppose it's good because it's an important branch of our government. You have to have trust in the judiciary for it to work. Um, you know that trust has been shaken. I don't, I don't dispute that. Uh, but I think there's been a whole lot of effort to minimize uh, that. You know how how deeply it goes, and then to uh, kind of move along and 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 get folks to pay attention to a different shiny penny. Um, you know that's a little disturbing, but that's been the process. So I just keep plucking along, and as the stories show up, I. You know, you try to write them and see what happens. You
1: know. Dave McGoy, a super investigative reporter for the Gazette. We took you long, man, because you've been so generous with your time and answering these questions. I imagine there's another one you're getting ready to hit send on. Please come back on and t- you can't tell us right now, can you? Does it have to get –
4: <laughs> uh, no, 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 but let's, let's, let's just say, thankfully, it doesn't involve the judiciary. <laughs>
1: what? Well, I'm, I can't wait I'm to see glad, what that is.
4: Uh, Yeah, I'm just glad to be poking my nose into – you know the type of business that's not dealing with people with robes i'm you know I'm, i've never been a one-trick pony but you know writing about these guys since 2019 um you know i, I suppose you write things as thoroughly as you're able before you move along yeah. but a couple of other you know pieces have uh come up i'm wrapping up one or two and there's a third one out there that's actually going to be a pretty good one i think that'll that'll take a few folks up
1: Dave McGoy, a super investigative Report. You can check out all of his great columns right out there. They're all linked, too. If you find one, you'll find the others right there at the Gazette, both Denver and Colorado Springs. I think some Colorado politics, too. Dave, thanks for joining us, man. Always happy to chat with you, George. Take care. Hey, uh, we went a little bit long there. Billy is right now using a lot of F-words to try to figure out how to get us through this next segment. Either we're back or we're not. One way or the other, I'll talk to you in the 9 o'clock hours. George Brockler, 710 KUS. George Brockler right back with the here, 710 KNUS. Billy doing some magic there. It'll show up in the 9 o'clock hour for sure. My thanks to Dave McGoya. Fascinating stuff that he's discovering there. I really don't know what the fix is for the judicial branch anymore, but it is interesting that the executive director has put on administrative leave the week after these folks start getting investigated for failing to file these, these disclosures. Hey, listen, when we come back, I'd love to get your thoughts on that as well as continue to talk about the DeSantis, Haley, Trump stuff. It's George Brockler, 710 KNUS.